Nicky Gumbel is the originator of the Alpha program. He was the one that you heard speaking most on there. And then Francis Collins, a brilliant scientist. Um, both Nicky have concluded that Christianity is true and committed their lives to it. And Francis Collins investigated, committed his life to the Christian faith. Um, and so maybe some or most of us in the room have as well. But the elephant in the room is sometimes that there are questions that are really, really hard. So we may have gotten somewhere with the Christian faith, and whether it's true or not, but we get stuck over some things. And uh, I had an experience many, many years ago. I was, I was on a, a seminar team, and we traveled around Western Canada. And one of the people that I traveled with often uh, was the president of a Bible college. And so I would pester him with question after question. And one day I asked him a question, and the, the actual question is not so important. If somebody wants to know, I'll explain later on. It was about the English or the Greek language and whether Jesus spoke in Greek or Aramaic and whatever, so it would bore you. But when I asked him the question, he said, he looked at me and he said, don't ever ask those kinds of questions. I was floored. I had no idea why he was so shocked and what was at stake that such an academic question would be forbidden. And I decided right then and there that there would be no question anyone would ever ask me that was forbidden, right? Any question is welcome. Jesus was not afraid of questions. God is not afraid of my questions or yours. He has heard them all. But what do we do with them? I'm sure that there are questions that probably are yet on your mind, that if you can't sleep at night, or if you're in a difficult time, uh, they just plague you. They're, they're the kinds of questions that you want to raise your hand and say, yeah, God, forgive me, I'm just asking, but. So we're going to compile those questions, and we're, we're going to work with them along with Nikki's talks and some of the, the other videos from Alpha. Um, but then we're going to go to the scripture and, and say, how, how do you deal with that question? Is there any answer that I haven't heard yet that someone could put on the table? So I'm going to give you like, like five minutes at the most right now. There's some paper, uh, little cards on the table. If there are some questions, whether they're yours or not, I'm, I'm kind of looking for the top ten most difficult questions, not just academically or theologically, but the ten hardest questions to deal with as a Christian or thinking about becoming a Christian or having decided not to be a Christian, what are the 10 questions that need to be on the table? There are 10 Sundays, so that fits quite well. If there are more than 10 questions, we may have to go longer, but let's start with that. And uh, I'm, I'm going to formula, or I'm going to um, tabulate the, the answers you give me along with some things that already have started to come on Facebook and so on. And I will show you those in a minute. But just turn around to the people near you and grab one of those cards and agree together about what you think at the table might be the most or one of the most difficult questions for us to handle. So let's compare notes a little bit. 
And uh, why don't I come around and if you have one or two questions you'd like to share with us, just sort of wave at me. And if you don't want to answer anything, don't even look at me, right? I'll just walk right past. But hopefully some people want to talk to us. Let's hear them. Okay. Uh, the first question is, <laughs> how can we know everything in the Bible is real? Um, why do bad things happen to good people? And if God knows everything that's going to happen, why doesn't he stop the bad things? So I'd like to collect these cards, right? So, well, because everybody was talking instead of listening, but it was good that you were talking. So I'm going to be collect, collating these when, once we collect them. So tell me some more. Anybody at this table had something to tell us? Yes? Uh, why do kids get sick and die young, and how do you go through those things without the Lord? Good. I'm not going to try to start to answer these because we need to figure out how we're going to approach them. What did you decide here, Anna? Um, God told Adam not to eat from the fruit of the tree, but he didn't tell Eve. So I was just wondering, before Adam ate of the fruit if they went to God for forgiveness, if we would have a totally different world. Some questions just make you go, hmm, right? Let's hear some more. How are you guys doing here? Nothing? You know all the answers, Steve. Is that right? No? <laughs> How about this table? Cheryl, are you going to be a spokesperson? Um, we just had down here, if God has, like in the song, it said, if God has his hand on everything, why do things happen? And I get, like one of our examples, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a good person, because uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are good people, and, but not Christians. But, for example, like for f a five-year-old who sold into the sex trade, or is in the sex trade, doesn't even have to, you know, kidnapped, or whatever the case may be, but if God has his hand on everything... You know, that, you know, why do things happen? I'll take that, I'll take that card. You, yes? Uh, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> These engineers never, ever finish a project. So I, I was thinking, uh, why are some of the most caring, generous, and humble people on earth not Christians? How about you guys? Nothing. Nothing. But these are all great questions, right? Right here. I have, uh, why is there so much inequity in the world, extreme gap between rich and poor? Good stuff. You guys have one? What happens to people who never hear about Jesus before they die? I was going to say <laughs> Uh, how do loving non-judgmental Christians overcome the negative stereotype conveyed to them by right-wing American and Canadian evangelicals? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. O'Gorman, do you have one? How will I be able to be joyful, no tears in heaven, if my children are not there? This table? Same as 
the first question, why do bad things happen to good people? It's a huge scenario. Oh. I miss you guys, Wayne? Heather? Hang on, coming to you. They're repeats, basically. Repeats? Okay, that means they're good questions, too. Over there with her hand up. Coming over. Where have I not been? I have not been here. Is there something from this table we should hear about, Cheryl? Asked. It's been asked? Okay. And where were the hands up over here? Yes, sir. Um, how did God start? Yes. Another one there? From the Brandon family? Anything? Huh. Why is not God more obvious? Good. Yes, Richard? I'm coming. That's okay. I should be good. I need the exercise. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Uh, I had said, uh, why does the world seem to get farther away from God? You guys? You have what? It's been a lot of repeats? Okay. How do we know that Christianity is the only truth? What about all the other religions? Right. Right. Nope. You give me the others. Yeah, thank you. Go ahead. Sylvie, do you want to shout or shall I come all the way over there? <laughs> Is this world the first, God, first of God's attempts? Hmm. Cosmological question. Another one. Why is the Trinity so difficult to understand? If they are all equal, why, is the, why does the Father seem to be the headship? Good. So here's a question I have. Susan, you have something? Oh, I'm coming. Yes, we have a lot of the same questions, but one was like, how does like the evidence of like, often like science and religion seem to be like contradictory to each other? So how does the evidence of science fit into what we know from the Bible to be true? Great. We're going to keep gathering our thoughts and our questions, but let me just ask this, this question. Is it okay to ask these questions? Because... I mean, some questions have come up and we kind of go, ooh, is Christianity the only way? Ooh, um, right? So we have to just check ourselves and ask, would, would it be okay with God if we ask the questions that we're sometimes not sure you should actually verbalize, right? And what I want to propose to you is that, yes, you should indeed. If we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, um, Here's the smartest man that ever lived, the wisest man, the wisest king. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he went to town trying to figure out life. What is the meaning of life? Asked Coleth, is his name. And he decided to experiment with every conceivable candidate for meaning. And at the end of each experiment, he said, it's meaningless. It's like chasing the wind or trying to catch the wind. But he did go on this journey 
a wise, wise man, and I think subtly we find his answer in the book of Ecclesiastes. But what's wonderful to me is that God has considered it to be just fine that he would go about this project of just trying everything that he could possibly think of to see whether it was the answer. And along the way, what I hope we will be able to do is examine some things in the context of these questions where there might be something that appears to give life meaning, and then practically we'd like to kind of turn that around and say, um, what does bring meaning to that? If, if we say yes, it brings life meaning, or no, it doesn't bring life meaning, well, how do you bring meaning to it? So we could look at money, for example, and say, is, is money the thing that gives life meaning? And probably we should say, no, it's not the thing, or maybe not even the main thing. Or, uh, but then we, we would turn it around and say, well, what does bring meaning to money? So that we get some practical advice that comes out of this, along with the questions that uh, we're, we're asking. But here's what he, the, the Colet says in Ecclesiastes 6. For who knows what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days he passes through like a shadow? Who can tell him what will happen under the sun after he is gone? That just sounds like despair, doesn't it? And maybe if we're ever afraid to ask a question, we can sidle up to this character and say, you dared to ask this question. So I'm going to dare to ask my question. Over the last few days, I've, I've had the chance just to sort of put out the question, what are the questions that are plaguing us? I mean, what are the, the, the really rooted questions that are hard to yank out and get a look at? And a very interesting thing happened is that I posted on Facebook, and a whole lot of answers came back. I, I said, I'm looking for the top 10 uh, toughest questions that we have. And people from almost every church that I have been part of answered me, which probably means that I didn't satisfactorily answer any of their questions because they're still asking them, right? But because I know each of the people who submitted their question and know the kinds of conversations I've had and the kinds of things that are in their lives. It was very instructive to me, uh, as it would be just um, talking with you. But here, here are some of the things that will ring true very often with you. Why do some people have more pain or distress in their lives when they're dedicated, growing, wholehearted Christians? Right? That, that's, that wasn't the deal, was it? That if you became a Christian, life would get harder. Is there really a heaven... And is there really an afterlife? Says a young mom who grew up in church, in a Baptist church, was taught there all her life. Now is asking the question, is there really a heaven? Is there really an afterlife? How can I live so that people can see with clarity that God is real? Isn't that good? There, there aren't you know, 73 of these, I'm just going to show you. If Jesus' greatest commandment was to love one another, why does the evangelical church and its adherents have such a legacy of hate, exploitation, and exclusion? From a very brilliant um, university-educated woman who um, 
It's actually interviewed on the CBC with, with reference to, to literature that's being written in Canada. And, and she says this. It seems kind of basic, but I found myself at various points in my life wondering what God's purpose is for me. And there are a few of you going, yeah, that's the kind of question that's on my mind. Never mind all those hard, hard ones. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Okay, what is God's purpose for me? How did we allow a lot of Christianity to become assent to theological positions? So the person is saying, why has it come, sort of come to this, that being a Christian is signing the dotted line about a whole lot of things we believe, right? So why is that? What is the best definition of gospel? Great question. Why has so much of Christianity worked to get rid of mystery? Uh, there's a lovely return to mystery, I think, in evangelicalism. And we wonder why for so long we just settled for the rational and practical and uh, the left brain. Right. Why have doubt and questioning been marginalized? So again, my Bible college president friend, why can I not ask a hard question? And why can I not doubt? Um, doubt is a great gift. You should doubt everything all the time, right? I, I, doubt is not sin. Doubt is not rebellion. Doubt is not apostasy. It's just doubt. If you're not sure, why do you have to pretend that you're sure? If you're not sure yet, can you not be granted time to get sure, right? We've said here that, that at these tables, and why we're here, at these tables, no conversation is ever over. No question is ever forbidden. How do you square a loving God and eternal conscious torment? If, if, if that doesn't distress you, not that someone is asking that question, but the notion that a loving God would actually commit people to eternal conscious punishment. It's an awful thought. Can we doubt it? So there's, there's the thing where you go, wait a minute, if you doubt the existence of hell, aren't you then not, like not a Christian or certainly not an evangelical? Or would I get my license yanked if I doubted the existence of hell? What's the best way? to approach scripture? It's a great question. What kind of a book is the Bible? Is it all true? What does it mean that it's inerrant, infallible? Um, if the Bible is inerrant and clear, why do we have 40,000 denominations? <laughs> Love that one. Because everybody doesn't believe what I believe and whatever. Does God actually care about the details of my life? If he does, why doesn't he seem to care about the major things that go on or the specific hurts and needs? Comes from a person whose best friend has a little boy who needs a heart transplant and he's only two. There are, they're really, really 
perplexing questions. And we don't want to end up hopeless. We want to get into some things that would help us, um, you know, to go, oh, all right. So somebody might say something that's going to just put light on your question. Um, and I think we will we'll have a good time doing this and talking about it. Um, because what you need to know is it's okay to ask questions. There are two things I want to be known for. One is you can ask me anything, and I'll either tell you the truth or make something up. No, no. You can ask me anything, and I'll never say, oh, don't ask that. My second job in life is to de-weird Christianity. Right? I'm, I, I just don't want us to be so weird. You don't have to be weird to be a Christian. You don't have to talk differently, you know? So I hope that I'm not weird. Some people are going, <laughs> good luck, right? But honestly, questions, questions, questions are so important. Uh, you know, educators would tell us that the best learning comes out of questions, right? Asking good questions, understanding good questions, struggling with good questions. Um, I think we might just sing the song, forgive me, I'm just asking, right? And we'll see what we can learn.